Hey everybody, it's Tim here with Transform U TV, and I'm really excited about the podcast today. It's going to be a longer one than normal, so make sure you have an hour set aside to listen to this. And I would encourage you to listen to it multiple times and go to the scriptures, uh, the references that I give. But I'm really, really excited about this one because I know how transforming this teaching has been to my life. And God kind of just recently took it to another level uh, in this revelation that he gave me. And it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I can't wait for you to listen to it. But I was in London and Ireland just recently seeing friends that we have up there and doing some ministry there. And I, I taught this at a, uh, in London and Ireland, and I recorded it at a church in Dublin, Ireland. And so what we did is I, I showed the video of our testimony, and then afterwards, I taught this message. It's super important that you listen to our testimony or watch our testimony first before you move on. If you haven't seen it, before you listen to uh, this entire podcast, I would just stop it and go to our testimony. You can find our testimony on our on our YouTube channel at Transform U TV. That's Transform Y-O-U TV, Transform Y-O-U TV on YouTube. And uh, you'll see the video there. It's about 15, 20 minutes. But uh, go ahead and watch our, our testimony and then go ahead and come back and listen to this. I know it's going to be a major blessing to you. It's it's changed my life. This is the last 10 years of my life have looked the way they've looked because of this. And about two weeks ago, God gave me a uh, just another revelation to take this to the next level. And so I pray it blesses you. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have any questions, love to hear your questions. God bless. Have a wonderful day. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. So that's our story. But the, the good news is, is it gets better and better. Because his mercies are new every morning. I mean, he, he just, the more, the more you walk it out and the, the more you see him, the more you see different facets of them, and and you can't. It's impossible. You can't exhaust his goodness. It's ridiculous. You know that that video was actually produced about one year to the day when that story, uh, it, when we were up to our eyeballs. By the way, we were eighty thousand dollars in credit card debt too. Yeah, and so that that was produced one year later, and so God takes timelines and He squashes them with the Word of God. He squashes them supernaturally. And so it, we went on. We had the company for about eight years, did about $28, $29 million in business over the eight years. And uh, around 2015, we decided, okay, the company was kind of lagging in, in 14, and 15, 15, 14 and 15. And so I decided, well, what, what do I need to do? I need to – what got me here in the first place? And I knew it wasn't my smarts because I have no business background. I technically have no business being in business. Okay. <laughs> but I have no business background. I, I can't do, I don't know how to use Excel, Excel. Excel. Is that what it's called? Okay. I don't excel at Excel. I don't even know how to use it. I don't know how to do a business plan. I've never done one. I don't know how to do any of that, but I know how to stand in faith. I know, I know what the word, I know the word of God. I know it's hidden in my heart. I know how. I know there's 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 keys to the kingdom of God that unlocks everything he's done for us that I know. And so I said, OK, what got me here in the first place? Well, it was what what I said. It was my it was me speaking by faith, be, believing and then speaking. 
And so I started at that point, I started saying some way, somehow in 2016, we're going to do more business than we've ever done, even though the last two years have been the worst we've ever had. But we're going to, in 2016, we're going to do more business than we ever did. We're going to make more profit than we've ever made. And in 2017, I'm going to sell that company for more money than I ever thought it was worth. So kept saying that. 2016, horrible year, up till about late July, early August. And that last five, six months a year, we did more business than we'd ever done in the history of the company. 2017, we almost did more than the year before. And then in about May, May, April, May of that year, 2017, we listed the company with a broker. The broker put a price on the company that was ridiculous. I mean, I'm confessing this because I'm a mighty man of faith. And at the same time, I'm thinking, he is crazy. It's never gonna, it's never gonna sell for that. Never. It's never gonna happen. But I was still confessing it. So you don't have to do it perfect. You don't have to do it perfect. And so, I, I, but I kept saying it some way, somehow, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's going to sell for more money than we ever thought it would sell for. By within two months, we had two different people offer us a full price offer. And the company literally sold for like about 2.2 times what it was going to sell for four years ago. So it literally sold for really double what it was worth. It wasn't worth that on paper. It just wasn't. It wasn't. But it doesn't matter because... Things don't have to make sense. See, what I found out about the, about the financial system of the financial system of heaven, it doesn't make sense. It makes dollars. Right? Now, this isn't what I'm going to talk about. I haven't even started talking yet. God help me. But, but it's, not a, it's not about money, okay, unless you need money. It's, it's not about healing unless, unless you need healing. It's not necessarily just about peace. Unless you need peace. It's not necessarily about saving your marriage unless you need your marriage saved. You see what I'm saying? So you can trade your so-so life for a so-so life, which is all-encompassing, awesome, just ridiculous. Because it says that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And what the, the actual, like, today's meaning means Jesus came to give us a life that's more ridiculously blessed than everyone else. That's pretty good. So what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, and hold on because I'm telling you, really what I'm going to talk about, it will change your life, but not by osmosis, okay? It's, it, it, if you implement it, it'll work every time because the Word of God can't fail. You can, but it can't. You can, but God can't. It, it's impossible, impossible. That's the only thing that is impossible is that the Word of God would fail. So I'm, I'm going to talk to you about, uh, first of all, I, I wanted to honor Pastor and say thank you so much for opening up the building. Thank you so much. I mean, he didn't have to do that. Let's, yeah, and if you don't have a church, if you don't have a church, this would be an amazing church. It would be an amazing church to be a part of. If I, if I lived within an hour, I would come to this church. But it's a little bit too far for me. <laughs> a little bit too far. Because I've always said, uh, and you might be saying, well, yeah, but I live like 45 minutes away. Well, a church that's alive is worth the drive. It is. So if you don't have a church, you should, you should be coming to this church. There's no doubt about it. So what I want to talk to you about tonight is the God kind of faith says or the God kind of faith speaks. Okay? 
So let me ask you a question. We've all, we're all in different places of faith, even now. We all have things that we're trying to believe for, right? I, I am. I'm always in a place of, you know, uh, trying to walk something out in faith. I don't do it right all the time. I don't, it doesn't always work perfectly. But the funny thing, what I've realized is I remember all the times it's worked. But the times when I feel like it hasn't worked perfectly, I don't even remember those times because who cares? Because it's not because of God. Right? Because the word of God can't fail. It can't. So when I try to when I try to do my best with the truth that I have to walk something out in faith and it doesn't work exactly the way I think it should work or in the timing I think it should work, I don't like get all irritated and go, why, God, why didn't it work? Why? I don't even, man, I just forget those things which are behind and I press on towards the mark. And it's like, who cares? It, it's like it's either God or it's me. Eh, it's probably my fault. I probably didn't walk something out correctly because God doesn't fail. He's always he's always on. He's always a 10. He's always it's, his words always working. OK. And so when you're when when I'm trying to walk something out in faith, I don't know about you, but we all have times when it, it has seemed to work. And what I do sometimes, I catch myself. I like try to mimic those times. So like I'm like, oh, let's see. I remember when God moves. I think we're singing. I think we're singing "Amazing Grace" in a falsetto. And I think, I think we're. I think it was raining. Yes. So we'll create rain. And I think, right? I'm joking, of course. But don't we don't we try to like recreate the situation? But you can't because there's there's no. It's always different. It's it's always different. But so many times it's like, how was I holding my tongue when that happened? So I can reenact the exact and get the exact same results. But the thing is about faith is faith is like a magnet. It, it like it attracts God. Faith attracts the kingdom of heaven completely. I mean, it, it'll bypass someone that you think has it all together and is super holy. And, oh, man, they just like it's amazing. It'll bypass them and like go to this person that you're like, what? Does that guy even go to church? It will because it doesn't care. Faith, faith is a magnet for the kingdom of heaven. Faith is a magnet to God. It, 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 it attracts him. So it says in first John, you don't have to look these up because I'm going to blow through these. Uh, but if, if, if when this is over, if you want a copy of it, I'll, I can forward the audio that I'm taping to you. No problem. Uh, also, that video, it was kind of like an advertisement, as you saw, for Andrew Wilmot Ministries. I, that's not what it was meant for. But I would highly recommend you go to his website. OK, because it changed my life forever, like forever. Did I say forever? Like forever. I mean forever and ever and ever and ever. Forever. Because it's www.awmi.net. Because all his teachings, and it's just a straight word of God, they're all free. You can download like 200 hours of teaching, and that's what I did. And for six months, I listened to him like four to five hours a day, and it transformed my life, completely transformed it, completely. So it wasn't – I didn't show that as an advertisement for him. But by all means, take it as that if you want, because it can it, it'll change your life. So first John five, four says, for whoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. This is a famous faith scripture, right? How about we walk by faith and not by sight? How about without faith? It's impossible to please God. Here's the thing. This is where most people get mixed up is 
with what am I talking about? They're going to try to use it as a formula. It's not a formula. It's called relationship. Okay. Formulas don't work, but relationships do. So if you know how much God loves you and you know how amazing he thinks you are and he, and you know that he loves you more than you could ever love your own kids. And you put these steps in place, it'll work for you, but it's not a formula because it, it, faith is a spirit. In Galatians, it says, uh, oh, let me see here. Oh, no, let's, we'll skip that one. It's a good one. Let's skip that one real quick because I'm trying to cut down time because I don't want to, like, keep you guys out too late. Uh, scroll down. Okay, so in Second Corinthians, it says, yet we have the same spirit of faith. So faith is a spirit. It's not a formula. We have the same spirit of faith as he had, who wrote in scripture, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Okay? So look at what he's saying. No problem. I need to be moving. I can't stand still. So it says, what he's saying is, we believe, so therefore we speak. So if you really believe, then it's going to be coming out of your mouth. So if you say you believe something, see, right now, if I asked you, what are you believing for? And you're like, ah, better days. That's not specific enough. What do you, what are you believing for? What, what do you want 2019 to look like? What do you want the end of this year, you know, next year at this time? How do you want your life to have changed? See, most people are like, well, I'm believing for a better job or I'm believing. Yeah, but are you are you saying that? I mean, we we what you just heard some way, somehow I'm on more an accident in Colorado than I ever did on purpose in Oklahoma. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that dog will hunt that check will cash. I said that over and over and over and over again. And after about two weeks, the trick is this. After about two weeks, you believe it. See, at first you may not believe it, but the more you say it, the more you believe it. And then the more you believe it, the more you say it, because out of the mother of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that's saying is, if, if you really believe, the way we activate our faith is we speak. The way you activate faith is you speak it out. You say, well, this is what I'm believing for. And you, and you put it into words. You write it down. I had a, uh, a friend. Uh, he's still a friend. I just haven't seen him in a while. But about eight, about 10 years ago, we were at a picnic together. And... Uh, he was getting bit by mosquitoes, okay, just getting bit. And I live in Colorado. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the promised land. <laughs> it's my promised land, but it's not everybody's. But it's beautiful. No bugs, no mosquitoes, no nothing. So he's getting bit by mosquitoes. I've never even seen a mosquito in Colorado. And so I was like, what are you doing? He's like, man, these mosquitoes. I'm like, there's no mosquitoes in Colorado. He goes, oh, if there's a mosquito within a 1,000 miles, it'll bite me. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I was like, that's supernatural, right? And so so afterwards, when we're driving home, I'm talking to him, and I said, hey, Jim, how long have you been getting bit by mosquitoes like that? He goes, I don't know, as long as I can remember. I said, really? Uh, how long have you been saying that you get bit by mosquitoes all the time? He goes, I don't know, probably the same amount of time. I said, you might want to check his confession, because I... Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. And them that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Right? 
And so he's like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. I said, try this for me. Go home and start saying out loud whenever you think about it, whenever you think of mosquitoes or they start trying to bite you, say, I never get bit by mosquitoes. Never. Like, I'm a mosquito repellent. Mosquitoes hate me. I never get bit by mosquitoes. And some of you out there are thinking, you're a crazy man. But it's too embarrassing to leave in front of everybody right now. But hold on, because here's the thing. He started doing that. I saw him a few months later, and it's been like eight, nine years. I saw him about a year ago again. And I, every time I see him, I ask him. I said, hey, how's the mosquito thing going? He said, you know what? I started saying that. I never get bit by mosquitoes anymore. Never. Like, never. And I always say that. And I go to Africa, and I never get bit by mosquitoes. And there's a few, there's a few mosquitoes in Africa, right? Who's been to Africa? Okay, are there mosquitoes? Yeah, there's mosquitoes. You gotta like take malaria pills because mosquitoes carry stuff. But I don't get I don't get bit. And you you might be thinking, well, that's that's not possible because mosquitoes don't listen to what you say. Yes, they do, because it's spiritual law. There there is spiritual law that God's put in force, and part of it is life and death is in the power of the tongue, and then that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What you say is super important. Hmm. Think about this. How did you get saved? How, how did you come to know Christ? God asked me when I got home from seeing my friend about the mosquito thing. I was by my home, I was at home by myself. I put some worship music on. And he goes, he goes, Tim, you know how you access everything in the kingdom of heaven? And I was like, please tell. And he said the same way that you went from darkness into light. And I was like, oh, my goodness. You confess with your mouth. And you believe in your heart. He said, the same way you went from darkness to light is the same way you access everything that I've already done for you in the kingdom of heaven. That's how you access everything. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. See, a lot of people say they believe in their heart, but they're not confessing anything with their mouth. The most amazing miracle known to man is someone who goes from darkness to light. That's the most important, the most amazing miracle ever. And it works by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. And by the way, when I told God that, he goes, which one's first? Confessing. That's not by accident. He said that's not by accident. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Because you can confess something even when you think you don't believe it. That's okay. Because you don't believe anybody, your, your soul and your spirit does not your mind, it doesn't believe anybody's voice more than it believes your voice. And so when you say something out loud and you say it over and over again, it's only a matter of time before it drops from your head into your heart and you believe it. It's, it's the truth. That's why he said, that's why confession's first. Confess with your mouth and then believe in your heart. And it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith doesn't come by what you heard. Faith comes by hearing. So you can't hear something one time and go, oh, got it. No, you don't, because I don't know how I've been. I've been studying and, and reading and living what you speak for 20 years, probably 15 years, 20 years. And I'll go for a period of time and forget <laughs> because things are going so well. Right. And then I'm like, oh, man, I haven't been doing that. I haven't been confessing nothing. What about what am I believing for? All right, man, it's easy to teach, but it's hard to actually carry out because faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by what you heard. You can't hear something once and think you got it. Even when you get a revelation, it doesn't stick with you unless you keep hearing it. 
So Mark 11, 22 and 24, it says, and Jesus saying, answering the fig tree. You guys know the story about the fig tree. He cursed it. It died at the root. It came back by. This is what's happening. So Jesus answering the, uh, the fig tree, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things, uh, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. So the reason why in the scripture he used the word mountain is back in those days, a mountain was anything that was insurmountable in your life. So it could be a disease. It could be a money situation. It could be a, a broken marriage. It could be anything that, that seemed insurmountable in your life. And he said, so you speak to the mountain. You say to the mountain, be thou removed. See, Jesus says to say to your mountain or say to your problem. But a lot of people are talking to God about their mountain instead of talking to their mountain. Talking to God about your mountain does nothing. It doesn't do anything. It does nothing. It just makes you feel, I don't know, in Ireland, the word crap bad? Okay, good. It makes you feel like crap. It doesn't make you feel good. You know, you just like you like have a pity party with God. Oh, God, my mountain. And God's like, I'd love to help you with that. But Jesus, my son, he already did. And you're 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 talking to me about your mountain when you should be talking to your mountain and telling it to get lost. We could stop right there and it'd be worth the price of admission, especially since it was free. Right. <laughs> so God gave us authority to, to speak to our mountains. He said, you say your mountain you say and if you look at that scripture real quick let's just go back let's see which one which one's more important after i say unto you that what's that whosoever shall say one time unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe one time that those things which you shall shall say two times shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he says three times so it says say three times and believe once. It says confess first and then believe when you move from darkness into light. So what's more important, believing or saying? Saying. Saying is more important because you're saying, your sayer can change your believer into believing. But your believer will not change your sayer. It won't make you say something just because you say you believe it. You have to actively say what you believe. Yep. I mean, you, you, the more you say it, the more you'll believe it. So by saying it, you'll actually start to believe it. Uh, look at this one. Uh, it says, in a certain woman, this is in Mark 5.25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. She, when she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she thought for she thought no it says for she said if i may touch his clothes i shall be whole she said she said she didn't think about it ah, i think if i touch his no she said 
If I can touch his clothes, I, I will be whole. If I can, if I can just touch his clothes some way, somehow, some way, somehow, I'm going to prosper more in accident in Colorado than I ever did on purpose in Oklahoma. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't care how it's going to happen because faith doesn't have to know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. It's going to happen some way, somehow it's going to happen. She said, she said, see, faith has a sound. Faith has a sound. And it sounds just like you. Faith has a sound. Faith is voice activated. It's activated by your voice. It's activated by your voice, not by other people's voice. It's activated by your voice because your spirit and your mind don't believe anyone more than it believes you. And your mind is at war with your spirit. So you have to get your, your mind to line up with what your spirit already knows to be true. And when that happens, every, everything opens up. See, what the lady said, what she said was her faith was speaking. Because Jesus even said, daughter, thy faith has made you whole. Her faith was actually has a voice. Your faith has a voice. It's yours. It's your voice. So what we say is our faith or the lack of our faith speaking. So if you're sitting there going around going, oh, my God, I'm never going to have a house. I, I bet you I'm just going to die homeless. I bet you. I bet you I'm just never going to get a job. I'll probably never get married. Good Lord. I'll, there's not enough men in this country. There's not enough women in this country. There's, I'll never get pregnant. Uh, and then you wonder why it hasn't happened. You should, like, celebrate because your faith is working. <laughs> it's no laughing matter, but it is, isn't it? It's true. It's your faith in reverse because God can do nothing without faith, and Satan can do nothing without fear. So Satan is constantly trying to get you into fear, and God is constantly trying to get you into faith, and whoever you agree with wins. Simple. Not easy, but simple. So, so, so I was at a church uh, about a week ago, about two weeks ago, before, I, before we headed to London, before we came here. And uh, in the song, I went to, to Denver to hear a friend preach, and, and the song, one of the songs they were singing was... Uh, 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 what is it? What was the what's the song called? Well, what's that song called? Do you remember? Do it again. Do it again. Okay, and it says, I've 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 seen you move the mountain, and I believe you can do it again. I I I can actually sing decently, but I don't remember the tune. And so, anyways, I'm listening to that song. I'm, I I love that song, and I'm like I'm like having a good time, and and God like messes with my worship. And he's like, you know, that song, that song's not scriptural. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, that song is not scriptural. I was like, okay, explain. He said, well, if all they believe is that I can move a mountain and they see me move mountains before and they're just believing I'm going to move it again, they better get used to the scenery because it ain't moving until they say to the mountain. Until they put their voice with it, until they say it. It's not going to happen because, see, you think God's up in heaven, like maneuvering things. He's like in a hammock next to Jesus. They're not working anymore. They're finished. When Jesus gave it up on the cross, he said, it's finished. And that, that actual meaning of those words were it's completely complete and it's perfectly perfect. There's nothing left to do. And so he, he handed the authority and the power over to us. 
But the problem is my people perish for lack of understanding. Hosea 4, 6. People, they don't, they don't walk it out. They don't understand. And so they, they're, they're going to God with all these problems when, when the solution is ready on their mouth. And half, most of our problem, most of our problem is our mouth. That's half our problem. If you just, I, if I could hang with you for a day without you knowing it, I could tell you what you believe because you'll give it away. Because your mouth is like the thermostat of your soul. It's the thermostat. It tells me what the temperature is set on. It'll give you away every time. It's like they say, I don't have to see you plant your garden to know what to know what's in it. I just have to see what's coming up. See, we, we need to speak what we're believing for. We need to speak what we want to see instead of what we see. And you might say, well, I, I don't believe it right now. That's okay. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I mean, you need to have a foundation in your heart of what the word of God says. Okay, so meaning this, if you're like, you're believing for healing, but you don't even really know the scripture. Well, I, I'm pretty sure there's a scripture that says by the stripes of a flag or stripes of something. I don't know. I'm healed. Okay, well, that's the problem. You, you, need, you need the word inside of you. So whatever you're believing for, you need to find a foundational scripture, and you need, you, need to, you need to nail that down. You need to know what you believe. And you can't bootleg somebody else's religion. You can't, somebody else's, not religion, God help me, I don't. You can't bootleg somebody else's relationship. You can't say, oh, well, you know, yeah, well, pastor, he said there's some scripture, and so I'm sure it'll work. Okay, so you do got to have, the, you got to have the word in your heart, Okay. There's no shortcut to that. You got to have the word in your heart. I was walking to my barn. I, I have a, a, a barn on my property. I was walking to it, and uh, and God spoke to me, and He said, I, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real simple person." And so He talks to me in rhymes lots of times, so I remember. But He said, "Tim, if you rest and confess, you will possess. But if you toil and worry, you'll get the same old story." See, so many of us are trying to work. We're trying to work. We're trying to work hard. We're trying to hard work is good. I'm a hard worker. Hard work is good, but it's but it's no replacement for rest. See, while you rest, meaning trusting, when you rest, God works. But when you work, God rests. You don't want God resting. Okay, <laughs> you want Him working on your behalf. But when you're trying to do it through 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 just performance and and so on, he, He's He's resting. But while you rest. And you trust him, he'll work on your behalf. See, Satan is like, he's so terrified that like one of you in here, much less all of you, but that he's terrified that even one of you is going to actually believe this. Because your life won't look the same. Next year, I promise you, it won't look the same. It'll look completely different. Our life changed so drastically in 10 months. Stupid. It, it's ridiculous. There is no way. There's no way that we could have done what we did. And we can't. Not without faith. Not without these principles. Not without understanding the word of God. And see, Satan comes, he comes so subtly. And he'll come with like, he usually comes in the form of like uh, a religious spirit. He loves that one. That's his favorite. Like people are always like, oh, I didn't know you are religious. I'm like, oh, I'm not religious. I have relationship. 
but I didn't kill Jesus. The religious people killed Jesus. That wasn't me. <laughs> Let me step back. That wasn't me. If I'm in a lineup, I don't want to be in that lineup because that wasn't me. But he'll use a religious spirit and he'll say, oh, when you leave here, he's going to say, you're crazy. That, that guy's crazy. You can't, you can't just say and it happened for you after all. You know what you were looking at earlier today. You know you, how you treated your wife today. You know how you treated your husband today. You know what you said to your kid. You, 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 you know, and he'll just go on with it. He'll use, he'll use things, but see, that's works. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus took care of all that. None of us are perfect. When it says repent, it says that throughout the word of God, repent means to change the way you think. This is the way you're thinking. Like today you're thinking that you got to like ask God, God, would you please move on my behalf? And, God, and now you're hearing tonight that you can say to your mountain. So then when you leave here, you're like, I'm speaking to my mountain. That's, that's opposite. That's what he means. When he says repent, change the way you think. Completely do a 180 and start thinking correctly. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Guard your heart with all diligence for how to close the issues, boundaries, and limitations of life. Think on these things. Good report. So on and so forth. Why does he say that? Because what you think about is super important. Because what you spend your time thinking about produces your belief system. Your belief system produces what you say. What you say produces your destiny. Every time. And so you've got to – see, it's like a whole – it's kind of a whole thing. You can't just go out and start trying to force feed yourself and say certain things. At the same time, you got to watch what you're thinking about, too. Oh, me or oh, my. So it's kind of, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like having a deadbolt on the door, and you have two locks. You lock the top one, and you lock the bottom one. And then you try to leave, and you only unlock the first one. You're like, why is this not working? I don't understand. That's, that's what most Christians are doing because they're believing, they think, but they're not speaking. And so they're ramming the door. They're ramming the door, but the, they, they don't got the other key in. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. They're not, they don't have the other key in the door. And so the door can't budge because spiritual law says you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So it says Elijah was a, uh, a man subject to life pa like passions as we are. And he prayed in faith and God heard him. So what he's saying is you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to, you don't have to be walking on water or even jello. You don't have to. You don't have to have it all figured out for the word of God to work for you. We're all works in progress, okay? And faith is like the highest form of holiness. The highest form of holiness is walking in faith. It's, it's believing what Jesus did was enough. Uh, I'm going to skip down a little bit. So I was listening to uh, Joseph Prince. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's another great one to listen to. He's out of, I think, Singapore. And I was listening to him, and he, he said this. He said, he said, God spoke to him. And said, as long as you're, as long as you are, let me read it, actually. As long as you're doing and performing, the devil is winning. But as long as you're speaking and resting, the devil's losing. 
in, in a world, in this world we live in, when you move up in rank, when you become a president, CEO of a company, or a, gen, a general in the military, what happens? You do less and you speak more. You do a lot, right? You're not out there in the trenches. You're speaking. You declare. You say. You say. You say. So you speak more and you do less. And God called us what? What are we? Who are we? Kings and priests. We're kings and priests. And we're, when he says he's the king of kings, he's not talking about the king of all the kings of this world. He's talking the king of kings. The king of kings. The king of kings. The king of kings. That's what he's talking about. We're kings. And what does a king do? He speaks. He makes decrees. He declares. And it comes to pass. <laughs> See, you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm just in IT, or I'm, I'm, a, or I'm, just, I, I, I'm just a barber, or I'm a plumber, or I'm a housewife, or I'm just unemployed. No, you're not. You're a king. You, you're a king. You're a priest. You can declare, and you can speak, confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart, and you can watch your life be transformed. You can watch the direction of your life shift and completely change. We have done it. And, it, and it's still continuing to happen. And it's getting better and better and better because every time we go through something, he increases it and says, go bigger. And so we're like, okay. And so we say something, we come out, we, we start declaring something bigger and it comes to pass. And he goes, go, come up a little higher. See, this is, this is what he does. Jesus like constantly calls you out into the water. Hey, come here. I can't swim. It's okay. It's just, I'm just not very deep. So you go out and it's up to your ankles. That's not so bad. Oh, come on, a little bit deeper. Okay. So you go out, now it's up to your knees. That's not so bad. Come on, a little bit deeper. And he'll keep doing that until you're in over your head. And that's the point. He wants you in over your head. So he has to come through. He wants you in over your head. He wants you to go after those dreams that are impossible. Because if they're not impossible, they're not his dreams for you. If you're big enough for your dreams, your dreams aren't big enough for you. It's just, it's not, that's, that's why he keeps calling you out. Christianity was never supposed to be safe. It was never supposed to be a spectator sport. It was always supposed to be full on. Always. It was never supposed to be safe. So here, here's a good analogy. So to go to Belfast, it's about two, two and a half hours. Two hours. Go two hours. So I'm talking to Christian. And I'm like, hey, I think I want to go Belfast tomorrow, let's say. He says, oh, yeah, Tim, here's my, here's my keys to my car. Uh, yeah, you can get there in my car in like two hours. Okay, cool. So next morning I get up early. I get, go get in his car and I start it up. I set my timer. And I sit there for two hours. <laughs> and in two hours I'm like, I thought he was a man of God. He's a liar. I'm still in Dublin. I haven't gone anywhere. See, speaking is like the transmission of your faith. You can say you're believing, but if you're not speaking, the car's not moving. It's not moving. It's just not. So Mark eleven twenty four, if you noticed it, it combined saying and, and praying. 
It said, if you say to this mountain, and at the very end of it says, and whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. So you receive it when you believe it, not when you see it. You receive what you're believing for when you believe it, not when you see it. See, when you see it, that, that's immaterial. It doesn't matter. What matters is if you believe it. Once you believe it, that's when you receive it, not when you see it. But what I love about this is it says, whatsoever things you desire. It didn't say need. It didn't say need. Don't, don't most of us think that it has to be a need? He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you have received them and you shall have them. It's okay if you just want some things. See, my daughter, she wants some things. I know, it's hard to believe. She's a, she's a female and she actually likes to shop. Never, right? Exactly, exactly. I've been trying to cast that demon out, but it hasn't happened. And so, but the thing is, when, when I take her out and I buy her things, I don't buy her things because she needs them. I don't buy her another pair of shoes because she needs a pair of shoes. God help her. She doesn't need more shoes. But I buy her shoes because she wants them. See, our father is so good and he loves us so much. He wants to give us things that we want as well. And that's okay. He loves you that much. That was completely a side note. No extra charge. So I'm going to read from uh, up close here. James 5, 17 and 18. It talks about Elijah. It says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years, six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave the rain, and, and the earth brought forth its fruit. Now, if you go to that actual story, there's the, the first time it says he prayed earnestly. If you go to that story, there's no record of him praying. There isn't. I will show you. And by the way, earnestly means with sincere and intense conviction, seriously. Okay, so it's like, seriously, right? Okay, so 1 Kings 17, 1, the actual story. So Elijah, the Tishbite, uh, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. What did he do? He said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He didn't even say God's word. He called that earnest prayer. He didn't even pray. At least we didn't think he did because we didn't know that declaring like a king, which is who we are, we didn't know that was a type of prayer. But he declared, and God called that earnest prayer. Then you go down, and it says, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, uh, of Carmel, and he cast himself down, threw himself on the earth, and he put his face between his legs. And he said to his servant, Go look. And, and there was nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. Okay, so he, he goes up on the mountain. He throws himself to the ground. He puts his head between his legs. He prays. He has a servant go look. Nope, nothing. He prays. He does that seven times until a servant finally says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And then it rains. The first time he said, Elijah prayed earnestly. And he didn't pray. 
according to what we think is prayer. He declared. He said, according to my word, this is what's going to happen. The second time, he just said he prayed. <laughs> Which we would totally think the second time was earnestly, wouldn't we? We totally would, because what was he doing? He was doing. The more you do, the more earnest it must be, right? No. No. The less you do and the more you believe and speak. Oh, boy. The less you do. See, we're in a society where doing is everything and we still get it confused. But that's God doesn't consider that an earnest prayer. What he what he gets excited about is when you get when you go, you know what? And you and you start speaking and you start saying out loud what's going to happen. And people are like, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. How could you ever do that? You can't do that. What did David do? Did he pray? He did not pray. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defiles the armies of the living God? And then he said, this is what, and, and he said, this is what's going to happen to you when he went down there. He told, he prophesied his future to Goliath. And what happened? Exactly what he said. That one, that one just came to me there. I got to put that in my notes. I bet you there's a lot more of those. You know, now that now that we're kind of in this line of thinking, I bet you we'll find a lot more of those where the people of God are declaring, declaring. But I th- I think there's been some kind of a veil, some kind of a that Satan has put some kind of a veil over our eyes because I've been teaching this kind of thing for like eight years with people that I know close to me and their lives aren't changing. And just recently, this thing about Elijah came forth about a month ago, about three weeks ago, it hit me. And I was like, oh, my God, I was driving down the road to Denver. And and I just started like laughing, belly laugh, like I won the lottery, like the hundred million dollar lottery or something. And it wasn't it wasn't natural. I was like laughing uncontrollably, like way laughing because I was like, oh, my God, I thought I had it figured out. But that's that's the other key. I totally Oh, my gosh. It was working for me before, knowing half the truth. This is this is major. (laughs) This is like massively life changing. We're kings and priests. We do less. We speak more. Don't be afraid of whether it comes to pass or not. It's got to come to pass. And if it doesn't, it's not God. It's just we, we maybe mess something up. It's not a big deal. So you fall down, you skin your knee, whatever. But don't give up on the word of God. The word of God is true. It's always true. It's always true. It'll always take you further than doubt. It'll always take you further than if you hold back because you're, well, what if I say it and it doesn't happen? Well, what if you say it and it does? I mean, right? Let me read you this story real quick. This is, uh, I'm going to give you just real quick, uh, there's like that that book you've already got it by Andrew Womack, incredible book. I would highly recommend any of his stuff. But there's two other books that I would if you if you agree with anything I'm saying that you totally need to get. One is called The Tongue a Creative Force by Charles Caps. I've read that book for 10 years over and over and over again. I read it a couple times a year. That book is incredible. Okay? It's like 6 bucks on Amazon. Super cheap. It's like super cheap. And then there's another one called The Missing Ingredient by Ron McIntosh. 
that's an incredible book and talks about the power of what you think and the power of what you say. And it, and it, and it uses science, too. It pulls into science. So it shows how science is proving what God says is true. OK, those two books have, besides the Bible, have probably made the biggest impact on my life ever. I, re- I refer them everywhere I go. I should get a cut. It should be it should be like a pyramid scheme so I could like make a little bit off each one. <laughs> Just kidding. The first one was The Tongue, A Creative Force by Charles Caps. They're both on Amazon. You can get them on Kindle. So you could like be reading them tonight. OK, uh, so this story, let me go back. This story is actually from the book, The, the, uh, the Missing Ingredient. So I'm just going to read it real quick if it comes up, when it comes up. Okay, there it is. Early in my ministry, I had a leader in my church who had unsuccessfully tried to lead a local judge to the Lord. In frustration, he came to me and asked if I would visit his friend to share the gospel. I agreed to do it. Later that day, I left my pastoral office, got into my little pastoral car, and took a little pastoral trip to this judge's house to do my little pastoral duty. When I got to the judge's house, it was a beautiful spring day. The door was open, but a screen door shielded the entry. I knocked on the door, and a hospice worker greeted me, let me in, and walked me down the corridor to his bedroom. What awaited me shocked the pastoral sense of duty out of me as I came face-to-face with grim reality. I had heard much about uh, Judge Lee. I knew he was a big man, but what I witnessed as I entered his bedroom was a jolt into reality as I came face-to-face with a failing shell of humanity. His frail skeletal frame revealed a dying man. Seeing his grim condition rocked me to the core of my being, and I stirred, and it stirred a deep-seated compassion in my heart. I knew I had to share the life of Jesus with this man, but I also realized I had no connection. <laughs> it's kind of important, isn't it? Connection with him. No bridge to share the gospel. So I asked this prestigious judge what he most liked in life. He answered, fishing. All honestly, I hate fishing. But the next hour was consumed with talks of rods, lures, lines, and bait. After about an hour, we seemed to have a real connection. I looked at him and I asked him if he had ever made Jesus the savior of his life. He looked at me and assured me he was a good Baptist, but he never made a personal decision for Christ. I led him in a prayer of salvation. At the conclusion of the prayer, I helped him understand his experience and we exchanged some more pleasantries. As I got up to leave, the Holy Spirit stopped me in my tracks and said, tell the man he can be healed. I mockingly said to myself, but he doesn't believe in that sort of thing. It was like I was expecting God to say, oh, I'm sorry. Here I stopped you on the way out and all. In the midst of my my conviction, I turned to him and I said, do you know you could be healed? I've never heard of such a thing, he replied. I told him I had a six-part series on faith I had just completed. I suggested that he listen to one tape per day until I visited him again next week. When I arrived next Again next week, it was the same scenario. It was a beautiful spring day, and I was once again greeted by a hospice worker who escorted me to the room. The scenario looked the same. It was the same disease, the same conditions, and the same frail man. When I looked at him, however, there was a little glint in his eyes. He looked at me and scowled. Son, I didn't do what you told me to do. You told me to listen to one of these tapes per day for six days until we got together again, he continued. I didn't listen to one tape per day. I listened to all six tapes that first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, and the sixth day, and today. He said, this is so powerful. He said, now let me tell you. Now let me, let me ask a question. For one, he's a judge. Kind of makes a little bit of sense. Kind of like the, uh, the, the, the general 
in the in the Roman military who said that to Jesus. Oh no, you just you just have to say. You just have to say, and my man will be healed. All you got to do is say. Because I already believe all you have to do is say. Okay? And so he's a judge, so he's used to he's used to saying, right? So he says, Let me tell you what's going to happen. Next week when you come, I'll be sitting up in my bed. The next week, I'll be sitting next to my bed. The third week, I'll be sitting in my living room. After that, I'll be standing in your church telling people about my healing. The man prophesied his faith. Faith. The next week, he was sitting up in his bed. The week after that, he was sat next to his bed. The third week, uh, he was sitting on, on the side of his bed. The week after that, uh, he sat next to the bed. The third week, he was sitting in the living room. When I got to the fourth week, there was nobody home. The following week, the judge showed up in my church, took the microphone, and proclaimed that the doctors in Houston had astonishingly proclaimed him cancer-free. Strange. How does that happen? That's crazy, right? He declared, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You know, it, it's kind of crazy because this, this – the whole declaring, this portion of it. See, I knew words were powerful, and our testimony w- would still have been the same up to this point three weeks ago. But when three weeks ago, when this when this hit me about God, what God calls an a, a earnest prayer, what He calls just prayer, it all started to make sense. Uh, I was in LA about in April, had a conference, and somebody came up to me and gave me this word, and and it was about proclaiming, it was about declaring. And it was basically, you know, in line with this. But I hadn't heard this yet. Right. So like God was giving me a foretaste. And he just said that you've been faithful in sharing your testimony. You've been faithful in in declaring things over your life. He said, but you're entering a phase. And I don't think this was just for me. Okay, I think this is like for the church. He said, you're you're stepping into a new phase where you're going to start declaring things over other people's lives. And things are going to become, begin to happen exactly the way you declare them. That seems crazy. But we begin to see that happen. We've, we've, we've started to step into that, not even knowing this part. And it, it's begun to happen. Now, that doesn't mean I go up to anybody I feel like and say, you know, I declare someone's going to give you a Mercedes. If that happens, you told the guy, let me know. That would be amazing. It's not, it doesn't mean I'm going to go do that, but, but some, when, when you start, when you start talking to someone, you kind of get this unction and you're like, this, it's, all, it's almost like a boldness inside of you. You should, you should be bold. And I've started doing that, you know, with, with a young lady who a year ago in December, I was in Africa and she was like, I need prayer for what? She goes, I need a husband. And I was like, okay, I think God wants you to have a husband. I started, started praying for her. And, and something came over, and I was like, I declare in the name of Jesus, you will be married within a year from today. God's bringing you someone. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. You're not going to have to find them because that man's going to find you, and God's already sent him, and this is what's going to happen. In two months, she texted me and said, I'm engaged. She got married last month, I believe. But, but the thing is, I think we're, we're, we're moving into a phase where God wants us to start acting like our who we really are, start acting like our birthright, which is start declaring what we want to see. Quit going around feeling sorry for ourselves and start declaring what we want to see, not what we see. 
Declare what you want to see. Don't say what you see because you don't want more of what you got. See, God says you can have whatever you say, but most people say what they got and keep getting what they got, keep getting what they already got, which is not what they want. You don't want more of that unless you do. Unless you do. I don't I don't think you do. You know, when, when I was at we I, I spoke about this in London at a house church. And while we we're afterwards, we did a little more worship. And I just saw this. I, I, God spoke to me. He said, you have no idea. You have no idea what you've done here today. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, no, you don't. You don't even understand. You have no idea. Eternity will tell the story. You have no idea what you've done here today. And I just saw like, you know, a robe, a big white sleeve from a robe. And I saw him as like a timeline. It was like future, like almost like the future had kind of been written. And it's like his arm went and he like erased it and he started rewriting people's futures. Because when you when you start, when you get this inside of you. You can write your future. You can write the future that God always wanted for you, because those dreams that are inside of you, that word that was given by the young lady that was up here completely on when you when you start receiving this and you start declaring by faith, you you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. Your future will change real quick. A lot of people would say, yeah, but Tim, faith without corresponding action is dead. Faith without works is dead. And I don't have time to go into all that, but here's, let me just ask you this. That is true to some extent, but let me ask you this. When you got saved, where was your corresponding action? <laughs> there was none, except your words. When God created everything, light, where was his, we have the God kind of faith, the faith of the son of God. We have the same faith. It's his faith. Where was, where was, where was God's corresponding action? It says be imitators of God as, as, as children. Where was his corresponding action? He spoke. He didn't have any corresponding action. He spoke and it happened. Okay, there's, there's, other, <laughs> there's other sides of that, okay? But I'm just saying there, there are corresponding actions, but it's not like things that you got to do. Sometimes it is like, for instance, if I'm not feeling good and I'm like, I don't feel good, but by Jesus stripes I'm healed, I don't go lay in bed, Okay. I go do what I would normally do if I felt good. That's kind of a corresponding action, okay? But I'm not doing it to get healed. I'm doing it because I believe I'm well. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not doing it to, to receive my healing. I'm doing it because I, I, you know, I believe I'm already well. So when I, last thing I want to do, I'm going to stop this. 